welcome to another episode. I'm Mike Monticello. I'm Kelly Funkhauser. And I'm Jake Fisher. So for those of you that are watching the podcast as opposed to listening to it, you can see that we have a new face here today, and that is Ms. Kelly Funkhauser. Uh, Kelly has been with Consumer Reports for several months now, but this is your first time on the podcast, so welcome to the show. Thanks. Now, I know you're from Utah, and I know you are CR's Program Manager for Vehicle Usability and Automation, which sounds really important. It is. It I, that's what is. I figured. <laughs> so tell us, tell the audience a little bit about uh, your background and you know what brought you to Consumer Reports and, and what you do here. So I was studying cognitive psychology at the University of Utah, and that means that I was trying to understand how people interact with systems and machines, and particularly drivers with automation. Those are the driver assist type features that everyone's been talking about these days. Right, which actually fits in with something that we're going to talk about today, uh, which is uh, Consumer Reports' first ever ranking of partially automated driving systems and I know you two had a lot to do with that and apparently also go to the same tailor is what I'm going <laughs> buy your shirts that are the same color. But but I think that the bigger issue that everyone's really curious about, what's, what's with the arm? Oh yeah, so for those of you that are watching you can see my hand is bandaged up. I had a little bit of a crash on my mountain bike and had to have some surgery to uh, fix a few things. So, But I'll be fixed okay. up soon. Don't you don't feel like you have to send a bunch of you know get well letters or everything. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> So let's get back to the subject, though, because this is, this is a big deal, the fact that we've, we've ranked these systems. We haven't done this before. Mm -hmm. So, Kelly, let's, I'm going to throw you to the wolves since you're brand new. That's what okay, we like to do. let's do it. Tell us what exactly are partially automated driving systems. Partially automated driving systems are steering and speed control that is done in part by the car. So those are some of the advanced or adaptive cruise controls. So it's kind of a step up from the traditional cruise control people are familiar with, where it um, automates some of the, the gap distance or following distance from a car ahead of you, or steering, which may try to keep you in your lane or, or push you back when you try to get close to a lane line. Right. And then adaptive cruise control has been around for a while, but the steering yep. assist is kind of one of the newer things. Yes. Um, Jake? Why, why now? Why is Consumer Reports ranking these systems now? Well, I mean, we're seeing more and more of them. So, I mean, I think Tesla really made a lot of news when Autopilot came out and everyone was very excited about it and everyone's posting videos of themselves on YouTube with it. And, and it's one of these things that's really, really understood very well. But there's more and more of these Autopilot-like systems out there now. Um, they're becoming really more mainstream. I mean, we're seeing them on just normal everyday cars, not just luxury, uh, low-volume low vehicles. And we just felt it was really important to kind of look and see what's going out there, going on out there, and also kind of looking at the different aspects of them because they're really almost all over the map. They're not, they're not being implemented the same way. And right. we want to see, you know, what's what's a good way to do these things? What's a bad way to do these things? Right. I mean. How, Kelly, how did we get to the point where I think people out there now think that a lot of cars out there are self-driving cars, but they aren't really, right? No, no, they're far from that. Um, so there, as Jake was saying, there are varying degrees of how well these cars perform. If they, you know, kind of do a good job at keeping you centered in the lane, um, or if they're more reactionary as you start to drift over a lane, maybe it might just give you a slight nudge. Um, but but even the best systems out there right now really are not self-driving. Right. And I mean, part of it, Jake, I mean, is it fair to say that some of these systems have been marketed 
uh, to make people think that they're kind of like a self-driving car, or at least they can go into self-driving modes. Is that a fair statement? Well, let me think about this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, it's, it's overselling what the capabilities are. And I think probably maybe the best example was when Mercedes-Benz first introduced their system, um, and this was a couple of years ago, and they there was full-page ads that said, your self-driving Mercedes-Benz is here. I don't know if it could possibly be any more confusing to make it think that it's a self-driving. I mean, it's literally there in the ad. Um, in that situation, um, they've backed off quite a bit. I mean, we wrote quite a bit about saying, hey, it's not a self-driving car. But um, it's, it's just one of these, you know, different things that are going on that, that really is a confusion. I mean, you hear about what's going on with, you know, Waymo or something in California. I mean, you almost feel that self-driving cars are here. Um, yeah, they're not. And didn't we have something similar uh, like that with Volvo recently too, where they were marketing it a certain way on their website? And uh, I think you contacted them and, and said, look, this is what mm -hmm. it says, this is what it's implying, but that's not what's really happening. And yeah, well, that was interesting. So, I mean, so, so we, we took several different of these systems, the systems that we have in the cars that we purchased, and we, we looked at these systems, and one of the ones we included was Volvo with their, their, their pilot assist system. Um, and what was interesting about it was uh, when we actually, I, I talked to Volvo uh, prior to this, kind of see what their comment was, because it was not one of the, it was one of the lowest rated uh, systems out there. And they were like, well, what are you doing? It's not a partially autonomous system. It's, you, you should think about it as, as advanced power steering. Right. And I said, well, like, well, no, you're kind of presenting it as something more than that. And they're like, well, no. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm on your website right now. And it's in the autonomous driving section of the website. Right. Um, so again, you know, perhaps overselling it, perhaps adding confusion to it. Um, but when they realize that, they actually change the website. Yeah. So actually today the website has changed and it's not no longer underneath the, the autonomous driving se section. Still, it's being presented as a semi-autonomous system. Right. I think it's still a lot of confusion. It, it, it's better, but there's still confusion there. So let's talk about the criteria for how we ranked these systems. So we had five criteria and they were automation capability, ease of use, uh, is it clear to drivers when the system can safely be used, does the system make sure the driver is paying attention to the road, and what does the system do if the driver doesn't or can't respond to prompts to retake control of the vehicle. So Kelly, I'm going to start with you. Let's start at the bottom of our rankings, which was Volvo. Volvo, yes. So. Volvo turned out to be one of the least capable systems at actually keeping you in your lane and, and, and controlling the, the speed and steering simultaneously. Um, that being said, because it's not very capable, it actually may have some benefits in that the driver is engaged pretty much all the time because they're not going to be relying on the system to do the steering for them. So it's really more of a, as Volvo actually said on the phone call, is a, a, a power steering or an advanced power steering type of a system. So it's just kind of helping you with the steering rather than doing it for you. Right. It did fall behind in some of the other categories too, such as the, we call it system fallback, which is what happens if you don't respond when it's telling you to touch the steering wheel and things like that. Um, the Volvo actually just, shuts off completely. Yeah, overall, it wasn't very capable. Right. The drivers can be putting too much faith in the systems and not paying attention. I mean, that's one of our big things with these systems, Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, I mean, you know, and to be clear, these systems, and we're, we're looking at how good are they at uh, automation, driving automation. And but, but when you start thinking about it, it's like, why should it be automating the driving? And 
safety is not the reason because that these are not safety systems. These are not advertised as safety systems. These are convenience features. Like driver assist Like systems? some kind of a, well. Driver, is it even that or maybe, is that driver even too strong? Driver assist, That's often the assists are sometimes safety systems. It's very confusing okay. because the nomenclature is all over the place. But, <laughs> but, but these are not safety systems, these are convenience features. And it's a convenience feature that may have risks. Because if there is over-reliance in the system and it's too good at driving yourself down the road, you know, people may very quickly tune out. And right. that is one of our concerns. So, right. so if you're concerned about that, the best system is no system. Right. Honestly. Right, right. Well, and the fact that the system shuts off when you may need it most just reiterates the fact that it's right. not a safety system. It's not there to help Correct. you when right. you need it to be a safety yep. system. It, it's more of a convenience okay. feature. So that's Volvo. Let's talk about the Nissan and Infiniti system. You want to take that one, Jake? Sure, sure. And it was a little bit of a newer system. But what's interesting about the Nissan Infiniti system is that it's very quickly going across product lines. Um, you know, it's already in the Nissan Rogue. It's in the Leaf that we yeah. tested it on. Um, it's going to be in the Ultima. So it's really kind of going mainstream. Um, in our testing, it's a bit more capable than the Volvo, a um, little bit. But again, um, and, and Nissan has reiterated this, uh, this to us too, they didn't want to make it too capable because they were concerned that people were going to have this over-reliance with the systems. And it doesn't seem that Nissan or Volvo is really trying to completely create an autonomous vehicle. So it's not trying to, they're not trying to let the car drive itself. Right. Okay. But again, I don't think that's clear. And that's part of the reason right. why we're trying to do this and where we're trying to kind of call attention to what they do and why they don't. Because again, if you look at the, mar the, the, the marketing nomenclature and all that stuff, it's fuzzy. Um, but going back to Nissan and look, looking at this system, yeah. um, again, a little bit better in terms of that, but but go, talking about, you know, as Kelly was talking about what happens if someone doesn't respond. So in our testing, it, it, it's kind of very unique in the way this operates. So, for instance, you know, it tells you to keep your hands on the wheel and does all that stuff. Well, say you fell asleep, right, and your right. hands fall down or whatever. Um, it goes and actively tries to wake you up. It'll actually pump oh. the brakes a few times. Okay. It'll, it'll make an alarm that almost sounds like a, a, a police alarm. It'll go, um, you know, try to do that. And if that doesn't happen, it keeps you in your lane. It, it comes to a... A, a controlled halt in, yep. in your lane and uses these systems to try to keep you safe. Again, opposite of Volvo, which right. has said, hey, you're not using our system right by taking right. it off. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Right. Um, Kelly, let's move on to Tesla, the, you know, obviously the most well-known system autopilot of any of these. Uh, yes. What were the you know, highlights and lowlights of that system? So autopilot is is very good at keeping you in the lane and controlling the speed in most situations. So on the highway or in stop and go traffic, it kind of shines, but it, it does allow you to use it on some of the back roads and, and roads that have different types of lane markings or even a single lane marking, which may be good or bad depending on if you're paying attention. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, again, it, 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 it's interesting. When we look at capability, it's capable of doing lots of stuff. It's really good at holding you in its lane. The problem is, is that because of that, there's a chance for over-reliance of it. There's a chance of, I mean, we've, we've both driven this car hundreds of miles, right? I mean, we've driven cars yeah. with autopilot. And, and once you go an hour, you know, and I've gone over an hour without having to put any input in the steering or putting any input in, in the, the pedal, it's, you know, whether or not you're going to be there and ready to take over in a instant is 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 cause of concern and, and it, it it's capabilities like yeah i mean you could have almost like you know part of one lane and it's locked onto right. it but not very good right It'll drive and to go further it even 
prevents you from adding your own steering while you're driving. So as soon as you right, activate, it doesn't, it doesn't like that. Well, once you shut. once you put any steering yourself, you've shut the system okay. off. Exactly. So now you have to restart it, which is kind of annoying. Yep. Right? Is exactly. That the point? Okay. So it almost convinces you not. Whereas some of these other systems let you add the steering in that you want, right, and right. then it goes, so when you take your hands back off the wheel, it goes exactly. back to what it was doing? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay, interesting. Yep. Well, Jake, we're going to let you take uh, the number one spot, Cadillac Super Cruise. Tell us about that. Super Cruise. And so, that's, that was in the CT6, in case people Yes, yes, that's in the Cadillac CT6, and it will soon be in many other General Motors mm -hmm. vehicles. I mean, really, it, it comes to the crux of what we're doing here. And, and while Tesla can has the capabilities of going on some back road and some broken line and tries to do that, Cadillac um, takes a completely different route about it. So yes, on the right and on divided highway, yeah, it is very capable and does a really good, nice job stop and go traffic or long highway, mm -hmm. but but it is much more restrictive and really tries to balance the safeguards with the capability, which is something that it really makes it unique. So one, it's not so collaborative because it's actually the only one that actually, if you're using it correctly, you actually do it hands-free. So you engage, you're hands-free, but make sure you're looking at the road by using a camera. So that really is a game changer because in our opinion, you know, putting your hands on the wheel isn't enough to make sure that you're actually looking at the road. Right. Um, looking at the road is a better measure. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're engaged in the driving experience, but it certainly is a better measure. Right. Um, so that's one thing that it does really well. The other thing is it, it limits its operation. So you're only on the divided highway. It's not going to allow you to do it on, on other roads. Um, highways that they've mapped out already? That highways, they... and, and, and in our experience, it's, it's basically all divided okay. highways across yep. the country. They, it is capable there. Um, so it's not going to go in some back road where it's not as sure, or maybe there's going to be a cyclist or something like that. Uh, it's not doing that. Um, and also, because it uses those maps, it can actually warn you before you need to take over the controls. So it could say, okay, well, in a half a mile, you're going to be getting off at an exit. Take over now, get back engaged, as opposed to the other systems, which are kind of like the split second. I need help now, take over. And you're like, wait, are there cars around me? I mean, that's, that's the issue. So we have a lot more information on this topic on our website. You can click on the links in the show notes below, or you can go to consumerreports.org. So uh, let's move on to audience questions. As always, we want to remind you, we love hearing from you. Send your questions, comments, 30-second video clips to TalkingCars at iCloud.com. Uh, our first question that we have today actually is incredibly pertinent to what we've been talking about already. So let's read what Max has to say. Maybe it's one of those things that you just need to try for yourself, but I can't understand how self-driving systems where you keep your hands on the wheel provide any benefit to your drive. It shouldn't be a burden to drive in a straight line on the highway, assuming you're paying attention. If anything, I feel like it would be jarring to feel the steering wheel moving without your input. Is this simply a party trick at this point? Love the show, I watch every week. Uh, Jake, I'm gonna throw you this question first since Kelly's kind of been hogging the show already. So <laughs> what do you got for us? What do you have to say to Max? Well, first of all, Max, you get this. And I think it would be wonderful to see Max maybe consulting for some of the car companies going forward because, I mean, you're understanding some of the issues and we hear it from people. We experience it when we drive the vehicles. We hear it from people when we survey them about using this type of technology. Sometimes you're fighting it. So, I mean, I remember one person said, it's like, well, either I drive the car or it drives the car. It's like, make up your mind. It's, it's a strange situation. 
I mean, Volvo, you know, again, when we talk to them, they're like, well, it should help you. But the truth is sometimes it fights you. Right. So if you want to drive in this part of the lane, now it's trying to tug you over there. It's not quite totally ripe. It's not really developed. And these are some of the issues that, that, that they're having with these cars. And I think, Kelly, we know it's, they're not exactly right yet because sometimes they're annoying. And so yeah. people end up just turning them off because they don't want the steering fighting with them. Right, right. So some of these systems that you know, have the automation, especially the steering part, right? right. Those are the ones that, you know, are, are jarring what he said in the, in his question. You don't really want that. You don't want to fight with the systems. It's, you just end up turning it off. Right. Yeah. So we still have a little ways to go on, or they okay. have a little ways to go on yep. this technology. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the next question, which is actually a video question. So, uh, Andrew, can you run that tape for us? This is John from Richland, Washington. Been a fan of your show since episode one, and it's one of my favorite podcasts. Anyway, I've got a question for you. I've got a 2002 Volvo V70 T5. It's the black one in the foreground here. I've got about 170,000 miles on this car. Bought it about a year ago. Had the transmission fluid changed at the time, and my mechanic has told me that the transmission, it's an auto five-speed, is uh, nearing the end of its life. And he's recommended don't do anything to it. When it goes out, that's the end of the car. Is there anything that I can do to prolong the lifetime of the transmission? But, you know, is there something I could add or is it just leave it as is and when it ends, it ends. So uh, appreciate your advice and again, love the show. Thanks. All right, so I mean, I think that's a really good question actually. I um, mean, you know, his mechanic told him, you know, that this, the transmission is gonna have some issues. So the question is, what can he do uh, to make it last as long as possible? And I talked to our mechanic, uh, Big John, and he said, basically, there isn't a whole lot he can do. You know, uh, additives could help it or they could actually hurt it. And flushing the fluid again could actually hurt it as well. His best advice is just leave it as it is. But the one thing that you can do to uh, prolong the transmission's life is to basically drive it as gently as you can. And that's mm -hmm. about the only thing you can do. Beyond that, just drive the car gently and see how long it will last. And then at that point, he's right, you know, probably to replace the transmission, it's gonna be cost almost maybe as much as the car is worth. Yep. So, so just go easy on it and um, see how long it will last. That's basically the advice. Our next question, this is uh, from David, says, uh, love the podcast. I'm now a CR member and it's because of talking cars. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm looking for a new or lightly used car to use for weekend trips. We definitely want something with all wheel drive, good fuel economy and room to transport my bike. Is a Subaru my only option here? Uh, Kelly, is a Subaru his only option? Right before coming here to this job, I, I had to sell my, my Subaru Forester, sold it to my sister, you know, because it's a good car. Yeah. If I'm going to, you know, recommend a car to a personal family member, it's going to be a Subaru Forester. I loved it. Uh, fits a bike, fits yeah. snowboard, fits dogs. Yeah. For, you know, all-wheel drive, good for snow, good for running, dirt. Running back and forth to your cabin? going back and forth to the cabin that's you know one of the reasons that i got it it's a, a subaru is a good car okay jake what do you have to say subaru is a good car but <laughs> there's lots of other choices too um i mean look there's a lot of nice small suvs uh doesn't have to be a forester right um it's a good choice but i mean i might go for a mazda cx5 mm -hmm. um you know the uh Honda CRV is a, is a nice option too. So I think you know there's enough options there that you know truly they're good options. So you could kind of 
choose. You know, which one do you like driving the most? Which one, you know, even if you care about the style or something right. like that. Look at right. the infotainment. So there's, there's different there's different options out there for sure. Right. You know, it's funny. He, he didn't actually give us as many specifics as we usually get. Usually there's a price range or something like that in there. And, and there really wasn't a price range. Uh, and didn't actually mention the Forester. We're just sort of assuming that's what he's talking about. Right, right. Uh, it could have been an Outback as well. But I'm pretty sure it was the Forester. And I agree with you, Jake, on some of your picks there. Uh, I mean, first of all, I think you can't go wrong with the Forester. Uh, but I also was thinking, like you said, Ma Mazda CX-5, not as quite, quite as much cargo room, not quite True. as good a fuel economy. Um, but also, I was thinking maybe Volkswagen Alltrack. Um, you know, the Volkswagen Golf Alltrack. Again, not as much cargo capacity. But what I like about those two picks, the CX-5 and the, and the Golf Alltrack, is that they're nicer driving vehicles mm -hmm. than, the, right. than the Forester. I'm sorry to sorry. hurt no, your No, I, I like the Mazda as well. So let's go to our last question. I'm helping my parents replace their 2015 Toyota Camry SE with a car that has more advanced safety features, such as forward collision warning and automatic emergency braking. They both drive, but they're 79 years old and will need more of these features. They have a budget of twenty dollars to $26,000 and want a car that's, want a used car that's reliable, has good fuel economy, and a warranty from the manufacturer if possible. Uh, Jake, what do you got? Get a new Camry. Don't, don't, don't look used. If, if that's the price range you're looking at, you could afford a new Camry. It comes standard with those features that, that they're looking for. And, and quite honestly, if you're 79 years old, you want a warranty. You want a vehicle that you know, you're not worried about getting it fixed and, and something going wrong. I mean, quite honestly, you, you, you get broken down in a used car and, and something like that. That's, it's a bigger deal if, right. if, 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 you're, if you're elderly. So I would say, yeah, no question. Get a new Camry. And agree or disagree with your I, boss? That's, I absolutely agree. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> what I was going to say as well, is, is the Camry is a good choice. The yeah. new ones, they've got a lot of the, the safety features. You know what? I, so when, when I first looked at it, I thought, okay, new, used or new Honda Accord, because I really like the Honda. I like, actually, I like driving the new Honda Accord a little better than the Camry. But then I thought about it, and I thought, 79 years old, um, you know, Camry and Accord sit pretty low to the ground. So then I started thinking small SUV. And, and the problem there is I like, I love your thought of at that price range, you can get a brand new Accord mm -hmm. or Camry. I love that. But, and it's a little harder to get a brand new small SUV at mm. that, that to, and keep it below $26,000 and still have the safety gear. So I would say 2016, 2017 Toyota RAV4 or back to your choice again, Subaru Forester. Um, and you know, because because they're so easy to get in and out of. Do you know what I mean? Um, I hate to say I agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm backing out of the Camry. And I'll tell you what, but, but I'm, I'm going to take it one step further. Yeah. Right now, if you're looking for the car right now, because the new Forester's coming out, 2019 Forester's coming out, they're redesigning the Toyota RAV4, I bet you can get a 2018 a RAV4 or a Forester yep. in that price range with that equipment. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, if you want to learn more about the cars and the topics we talked about today, you can click on the links in the show notes. Uh, keep sending those uh, questions, comments, video submissions to TalkingCars at iCloud.com. For the super smart Kelly Funkhauser <laughs> and the wonderfully witty Jake Fisher, I'm broken down old Mike Monticello saying thanks for watching, and we'll see you all next week.